So, welcome to the Singing Oak Sunrise Service. You know, as I was coming in this morning, and if you were, did you see the sunrise this morning? Like, the heavens were on fire. Like, it wasn't just colors, it was, it was bright red and it was alive. And entirely appropriate to what we're talking about this, this morning. Fire. The heavens were on fire. And I want to talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about power. The power that we have available to us. And that power is readily available in, in prayer. And I've been looking for that power wherever I can find, can find it. And I heard about this church that meets in the warehouse district down in, uh, in, in Dallas. And it was, it, it was started by a Church of Christ guy. And they rented some space and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And things really started to happen. And I thought, I want to see that. I, I, I want to see where like, God's people are praying like they were praying in the 50 days leading up to the day of Pentecost. I, I need to go down there. And so down I, I went and, and heard that they pray in the morning for hours, that they pray at noon for two hours, and they pray in the evening for hours. And they do this every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday, something a little different, but, but prayer. And I thought, well, I'm going to go check this out. And I'd heard that the preacher was going to be there, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get down there, and maybe I'll get to meet the preacher. And I, I went down, and I'm I'm just trying to be attuned. I'm just trying to soak it up. And, and, and I go in, and the people that are there, I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, so this is church for the people who you don't normally see at church. Oh, yeah, like there's, there's young mothers with children, and, but like there, there are the artistic people. The people with tattoos, the creative people, like just all kinds of people. And I go in and I sit down and there's about 70 people there and they're praying and praying and praying. And I stayed for the full two hours and there were people in that room that were there praying for the whole two hours. And I thought to myself, my, 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 this is something. This is something. I, I, I feel something in this. And I, I, I saw a guy standing off the side, and I, I thought, well, maybe you're the preacher. I go over and say, hey, are, are you, are you the, the, the minister here? And he says, no, but I'd be happy to answer any questions. And so we sat and talked, and it was such an interesting encounter that I've invited him here 
this morning because he has a story. He has a story of redemption, and his name is, is Lee Thompson. Lee, would you stand, like, and you too, Jennifer, would you stand too? Give them a singing oats. <laughs> Lee, come on up, and we'll get sorted out here with chairs. We better go grab a couple of chairs here. You know, Lee and I have been moving chairs around all morning. I, it, it, you know, it's like he came to Singing Oaks and he's moving furniture. <laughs> so, Lee, I sat down with you and I said, okay, so tell me how you got here. And you said to me, you began with, well, 26 months ago, I was at a very different place. So tell us, Lee. Well, first, thank you, Ross, for, for having us here. Uh, it's a privilege to, to be here with each and every one of you. Uh, there's such a beauty in, in this church. But uh, yes, I was at a very different place 26, or now 27 months ago. Um, Actually, the, the story begins in September of 2015. Uh, my wife and I have uh, been very successful in, in life and business. Uh, I was an entrepreneur, had seven different businesses, uh, was also running a worldwide sports organization as the number two guy. I was 48 hours away from being crowned the godfather as that was called in, in the sport then. Um, when something moved me, uh, and, and again, I'm not saved at this point, uh, but something moved me and said, do your own thing. God was a little sneaky with me. He used my pride and my ego to move me into a position that I could fall on that stone that the builders rejected. And, and so I did. And as I was sharing with you this morning, in, in my business life, I had really never failed. I had small little losses, but no tragic failure so uh, and, and then you like all of a sudden you lost millions millions uh, and from september 2015 to around uh july yeah millions uh july of 2016 millions of millions of dollars the lord was very gentle in the way that he took it because he took it so fast <laughs> he didn't take it he allowed the enemy to get it out <laughs> He allowed the enemy to get it out so fast. So he was, he was very... Get this behind us. Right? Get this done. Uh, and, and it brought me to a, a point of uh, I was lost. I was depressed. I was, uh, I was a very, uh, you know, in, in my life prior, I was, you know, very charismatic, outgoing, energetic, well-spoken, all those things, and always needed to be around people, always loved people. But I found myself in, in July of 2016, I was wrecked. I was dark, uh, isolated. isolated. I was in my home office. Uh, I would stand in the corner for hours, just standing in the corner crying uh, because I had failed. I had failed my wife. I failed my children, um, you know, tossed away their inheritance, tossed away everything that, you know, I, I just couldn't understand what had happened to me. And it was, it was a, a situation. It was that pride in me going, poor me, poor me, poor me. You know, just look at me, look at what I've done. And, and it was learning that I've done was the, the part that really hurt. But I, I did that. And so. And you, you came to a night. You came to a night that was like the night of your life, 
It was the time, yeah. The uh, August the sixteenth, uh, August the eighteenth of twenty sixteen uh, was a day that changed me forever. Uh, my wife was scheduled to go on a business meeting in Austin, and um, that was the day I was going to take my life. I didn't want her to be in the house uh, at all, uh, and uh, I had been under the desk by this time, laying under my desk for. I was on day three, I believe. I think it was day three. And, and my wife was a believer, and she had been putting, you know, uh, sticky notes of scriptures all over. And, and I was like, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> forget the sticky notes. Forget the sticky notes. I'm in a jam here. I, you know, I, it's time for me to go and check out. And, and so I got up that morning and got into our, my home safe, and I began laying out stuff for all my kids and for my wife because I wanted them to remember the successful father. You know, the, the father that provided everything that they wanted. Um, and, and so I started laying things out, and Jen came in. She goes, I don't know that I should go. You know, and I said, you need to go. You got to go. This is going to save us. You know, this will bring us financially back. You know, please go. And, uh, you know, so she did. Uh, at about 5.30 that evening, <clears throat> she had left for Austin. Uh, I got up from the desk and said, it's it was time. I went to get my gun, uh, and I'd already prepared the guest bathroom, cleaned it all up, set it up so that when I shot myself, it would be easy for everybody to, to fix up and clean up. Um, I went to get that gun, and it was gone. I was so mad, Ross. I was walking around our house cussing my wife. I knew she, I mean, she was the only one that could have taken it, uh, and, and, and she took it. And I walked around, I don't know, for hours just cussing, 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 and I was so mad, and, and it, it exhausted me to the point that I went back to lay under that desk, and I was, I was laying under that desk, I was contemplating, you know, now how I do this, we lived on the a 27th floor high rise, you know, if I jump, I'm going to make it very miserable for everybody, the parking garage is probably going to be closed for a few days, and people are really going to be mad at me, and, uh, you know, and, and then there was pills, and, you know, just all these horrible thoughts, and I just laid there, and I cried, as I was crying, I heard a voice in my heart, and it said, uh, that voice said, stand up and get up. I was like, what? I looked outside the desk, under my desk, I looked around, and nothing was there, nobody was there, and so I laid back down, I'm like, great, I'm crazy. You know, not only am I suicidal, and I can't kill myself because my gun's gone, but now I'm hearing voices. Voice came back stern even more stern. It was like, stand up and get up. Let me show you who you're created to be. And I'm like, all right, this has got to be God. So I just laid out under my desk. I'm like, Lord. And he said it again. So I stood up in my office and I'm standing there just like this. And that voice very sternly came back and said, now stand tall. And so I stood tall and I could feel this presence. It was just like something was uh, moving in the room. It was, it was not a wind. It was just a, a weightiness. And it's a, the voice said, now get that Bible out of that drawer. And uh, I said, well, Lord, you know, you know me. I don't even read the Bible, and there won't be one in there. But he said, open that drawer and take that Bible out. And there was a Bible that I had purchased probably nine or ten years ago when I was trying to, to understand who God was, and but I couldn't read that book, so I just threw it back in the drawer. I don't know how it got there because we had moved so many times. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it, but it was there, and I pulled it out, and uh, I was like, well, you know, Lord, thank you. That's, that's really good. You know, I can't read it, and I just tossed it on top of my desk, and I was like, 
I'm still not understanding. I'm having an encounter with Jesus. And he said, trust me. I want you to close your eyes, open the book, hold out your four right fingers, and I'll guide you. I did. And my Bible opened to Psalms 19, 7 through 11 about his laws, his statutes, his decrees, his you know, commandments, how they're good for your heart and how the, they're the refreshing of the soul and how the, it's the light of who you are inside of you. And I just started bawling. I started bawling because that was one thing that the Lord knew. I grew up um, without knowing a father. Uh, my stepfather and I had no relation. And all my friends growing up always, you know, you would, you would hear in Sunday school and stuff, well, you know, if your parents love you, they give you rules. They give you, you know, these things to obey because it's, it's love. And so I never had that. And the one thing I always wanted all my life was love of a father. And he slammed me that night with, not only did he call me out of, out of death, he said, look, I love you. I've given you these rules. They're right here and they're good for you. And you're going to stand up. And as I read and I just cried, I cried and I cried. And he said, now, I'm going to send you back into that darkness as my light. You're going to turn them from the darkness to the light. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what any of this means. But, you know, I'm just crying. I'm weeping. I just don't know what's going on. And I'm having a conversation with God. And, and he says, it's time to be baptized. And uh, I'm like, it's 1130 now. I've, I've been talking with God for hours. And I'm like, well, Lord, I don't know where you go at 1130 to get baptized. I don't know if there's like 24-hour <laughs> baptism services, but you know, just roll up. Hey, guys, I just talked to the Lord, and he said, get baptized. But he said, I want you to go to the shower. I'll talk you through it. And so I went into my shower, and he baptized me there uh, over about a one-hour period. And I came out. Everything was different. Everything, even in my apartment, things, the colors were vibrant. And uh, for the first time I slept, for the first time in my life, I felt like I slept. I woke up the next morning, Jen's still not home yet. I walk out onto our patio. <laughs> the sky was blue. There were birds. They were chirping. It's like I'd never heard them. It, I was reborn to life. The old life that I had, that old man had died, and this new person was a child, and I was just looking at things like a child. I was like, Lord, you're beautiful. I see it. Your creation, it's here. You're real. Yeah. You're real. You talk to us. And he said, well, I do. I love you. And, but you're not going anywhere. You're going to be right here, and I'm going to accelerate your learning with me. And I had no idea what that meant, but I spent 12 months in that apartment, in that, that condo that we had, without ever leaving, except maybe to go out for a dinner, but to spend time with him and in his word. And I would go into my closet, and because I had read about, you know, Jesus said, go into your closet when you pray. So I'm thinking, okay, Jesus said, go into your closet when you pray. I went into my closet, and I literally would pray, and I would move my clothes around and get in there like, Lord, this is real. I believe this word, you've got to make me what it says it can be, what I can be, and who I'm created to be. You said that's what you were going to do. Now show me, make me, change me, fix me, you know, tear my heart. I give it to you, everything. I'm not, I just want to die to that man. I want to live for you. And he was faithful to give me what I asked for, and it was painful. It was painful dying to myself. But, and you've written a book. I've written a book um, just 
you know, four weeks ago, my wife and I were in prayer, and uh, she said, you're supposed to write a book, uh, and Holy Spirit actually gave her the title. And the interesting thing I want to say about Holy Spirit, too, is Holy Spirit had talked to Jen the day I wanted to die and told her to take the gun and to leave me. So what I found about the Lord is he likes to work with me alone, <laughs> and so he told her, get the gun, take it, and leave. And so she left, and she was obedient to Holy Spirit. So I'm forever grateful to, to Jen for her obedience to hearing Holy Spirit and, uh, and for that. But she also gave me the name of a book called The Christian Battle Plan. And I said, right, you know, I don't, I don't like to write anything. <laughs> I don't even really like, the only thing I like to read right now is the Bible, and that's it. And, uh, and it was 60 minutes to the point she said that, I received a call from a pastor friend of mine in Indiana, and he said, Brother Lee, I've just been, been on my heart this morning, man. I just feel like you're supposed to help Christians understand how to fight. I just, you're supposed to write something about fighting, battle planning, strategies, and I'm like, oh, Lord, okay, here I go. And so in four weeks, I've written 13 chapters and 48,000 words and uh, through Holy Spirit, not by me. He's, he's downloaded. And I want a signed copy of that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's been wonderful because it didn't, it didn't just stop there. I had to learn who Holy Spirit was in that closet, in, in that room, because I was struggling with this Holy Trinity thing. I was reading it in Genesis and in 1 John. I was seeing, you know, the Father, you know, the Word became flesh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I was like, whoa, you know, God, you've got to help me here. And the Lord told me one important thing that I love to share with people. He says, you're not reading this for your mind you're reading it for your heart. And for me, it was so important because I was a logical person. I needed to make sense of things. And so when I would read from my mind, it didn't make sense. I wanted to put it aside. But he said, just keep reading. It's for your heart. This is a book I've given you for encounter. You're encountering me when you, when you read this. You're not just reading it to learn scripture so you can go around and quote, you know, this verse or that verse for people. You're encountering my presence. This is who I am. This is my character. This is my nature. This is who I am to you. You have to know me. You know, Lee, it, it, it's like it's one thing to read the book. It's another thing when the book reads you, isn't it? Yes. You, you know, and I know exactly what you're talking about here. I mean, it, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Like that you're in it. That, that the stories aren't about long ago and far away. They're right now. Like Moses is our contemporary. David is our contemporary. Like we step into that reality. And it's reality. It's real, and you know what's so so sad is I talk to Christians a lot often, and they're like, "Well, you know, I, I I don't you know I don't memorize things very well. I don't understand it." But you know, I heard Bill Johnson once say, "You know, it's like I don't remember what I ate for breakfast last week, but it nourished me." <laughs> you know, and, and and that's it. And there's power in this book. And and one of my, my you know, one of the things about this Bible is that the gospel is more than words. And if we're just reading it for its words, it's just words. But the gospel is power and love and action. And that's why we need Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is that power that raised Jesus Christ from death. He's also the one that empowers us to get out to do, outside these four walls, to go show the world who he is. You know, he sent those disciples out. He said, don't take anything. Don't take anything. Twelve of you go with nothing. Don't even take an extra pair of sandals. Just go. He did that to teach those disciples, I'm the provider. I got you. 
but I want you to go up. This, is, this was a training session for them. This was a training to be away. They'd been running with Jesus, but they had never done it on their own. And what did they do? They come running back going, Lord, man, even the demons were fleeing. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is crazy. And he's going, this is the power that lives inside of you. Take dominion. Take that power. But you've got to know that it's here. And when you read this for its reality, you know, in, in, in Acts 4, they said, you know, as Paul and, or Peter and John were talking, they said, you know, we see that these are just ordinary men, unschooled, ordinary men. But they were so confident, they knew that they had been with Jesus. And that, to me, is so powerful. Well, the important thing, Lee, it, like it's not that anybody sees you or sees me. It's that they see him. And, and, and that's where all the power is, in the presence. And... and, and you know, I used, to, I used to wonder, I'd read passages of scripture about the Holy Spirit. Like I'd read, well, you know, we have the Holy Spirit as King James says, our earnest money. And I'm going, well, I'm writing a lot of checks. I'm a preacher, I write checks. What we got in the bank. And, and like, I gotta tell you, like in my life, I feel like money's been showing up into my account and like you lost your millions but the money's pouring in isn't it it's pouring in I mean I can tell like you are you are rich money doesn't matter what matters is his presence and that's my wealth you know Paul said I count all other things as dung <laughs> it's just dung and, and it is that life didn't matter we need money in the kingdom to advance, but it's his anyway. We're just stewards, right? So for me, it was unyoking myself from, oh, I need to provide. He's my provider. Whatever he calls me to do, he surely will provide. He's provided me with the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding, and the revelation to be able to even set up here with a man like yourself in, in, in front of you, and here I am 27 months into salvation. There's no way in my own power that I, I should be here. I, I don't have the currency to buy a seat at this table. But his currency is love that gets us here. And it's that obedience to him. I mean, when you're running with Holy Spirit, when you're ready to go, and you want to experience what Christ running with him is like, you've got to be able to say, you know, like David, you know what, I'll even be more undignified than running in the street, dancing and crying and singing, you know, in, in, in a short... You've got to be able to say, Lord, you know what? You give me the strength. I'm a weak man, and, and I, I sometimes have a fear of man. Break it off of me. Holy Spirit, break it off me. And wherever you send me, I will go. I, I told you the story about going to Sutherland Springs, Texas, at the, the church shooting as a, as a chaplain. Uh, I, I was called in the morning the night before to go, and I was like, no, you know what, Lord? I'm sure <laughs> there are more chaplains by this time. I'm only about 15 months into salvation. There are a lot of chaplains out there who have more experience in you and explaining to people how things like this happen than me. So I went to sleep that you know, night. I woke up the next morning and my wife's like, are you going? I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't really feel like I'm supposed to go. I got a phone call and I, I said, you know what, if they call me again, I'll go. About the time I said that phone rings, they're like, hey, would you go down there? I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, okay, Lord, I'm going. So I drive down there, and I show up, and, and I ran into some uh, chaplains from a Baptist organization, and they was like, hey, how, what's your story? And I, I told them my story, and they're like, ooh, you know, well, God really doesn't speak anymore. And, you know, so they, they, they did that number. 
And I'm like, no, he really does. He spoke to me. I'm not crazy. I mean, I heard him. And, and so Holy Spirit's like, you just go to town. You just go into town. And you start praying for people. And so I went into the, into the small town. Uh, I mean, they just lost, you know, I think it's a town of 530, and they just lost 52 people in a church. I mean, 10% of the population was gone in an instant. Uh, and and I began praying for people, and that night we had a prayer service. And again, I, I'm, I'm running on his currency, but I haven't realized that yet. Uh, you know, so I'm fearful about, you know, I just want to pray with people individually. But, you know, they called me out and said, I want you to come up and pray for us. I'm like, oh, boy, you know, there's a whole bunch of people here. There are cameras and all kinds of stuff everywhere. I, I don't want to pray. I'm, I'm just a young guy, and I'm still learning how to pray. And nonetheless, Holy Spirit hit me like a bolt of electricity. And I mean, it was that tangible of a presence like, whoa, okay. All right, Lord. And so they handed me a microphone. I just closed my eyes. I said, listen, Lord, you got to speak because I don't even know what to say. And I closed my eyes and began speaking. As I spoke, I opened my eyes. There were people laying out on the street. And others were chanting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is a town that just had their church shot up. And people were yelling, Jesus, in the street. And others were crying. And ministers were coming up to me, hugging me and, you know, praying over me. And I'm like, I have no idea what just happened. And next thing you know, I have CNN, HLN, BBC. And they're like, can you go live tomorrow morning? You know, this was amazing. You know, can you talk to us about what just happened? And, you know, all these things. And I'm like. And meanwhile, you have no idea what you're doing. I have. No, I, I am running just by the Holy Spirit. Letting him lead and guide. And the next morning, I'm up on national TV in England and the U.S. talking about the power of God. Um. <laughs> well, you know, it happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 and 2, it happened all through the book of Acts. This. Holy Spirit is water, and water, water just soaks into you. Water is life, gives you life, sustains life. And wind, wind, you don't know where the wind is coming from or where it's blowing to. And so it is of everyone who is born of God, everyone who knows God, that you're born of water and the Spirit. And he's a fire. Oh, I just feel the fire. I just feel the fire, and it's good to warm your hands in front of the fire. You know that our whole civilization is built on fire. Fire that uh, furnaces and fire of internal combustion engines. And God says, let me be the fire that powers your spiritual life. Because without the fire, Without the fire, what have you got? What have you got? Like without that passion, without that joy, without that presence, like without God burning inside you, what do you got? Got a husk. 
You know, I love a good fire. I love what flames do. I think when the first humans were gathering together at night, they gathered around a good warm fire and they, they shared their stories together around the fire. And they watched the flames dance and I love the way that flames dance in a fire. And, and it, it, it's like they, there's a pattern to it and yet, and yet the pattern is ever-changing. It's like a fire, you're just looking at it and it's, it's always new and yet it's the same. And, and you come in from the dark and the cold and you come before the fire and fire, it's all through the Old Testament, the Old Testament. Moses and the burning bush and, 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 and the fire up on Mount Sinai and the, the fire that is there with the, the, in, in the Exodus as they, the pillar of fire that they followed. And the New Testament. What does the New Testament church look like? I mean, Acts 2. It's the Church of Christ chapter. In all the Bible, we claim Acts chapter 2. I had a friend who was driving with his church van down the road, and, a, a, and it was a youth group, and there was another youth group, and they, two youth groups see one another, and they're wondering, you know, there's no sign on the van, and, and somebody gets a sharpie out and writes Acts 2, 38 through 40, and like lifts it up, and the other van starts applauding, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're Church of Christ people. We know Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And out of that, Peter preaches a sermon. And the message that we get in Acts chapter 2 is that God isn't confined to a particular place and that he can come on any of us. And that his that when he comes, he can come with power. He has a powerful presence. And then in Acts 2.38, our verses, the verses that we own, what should we do? What should we do, they ask. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. We have Holy Spirit fire available to us. And what does fire do? Fire, fire transforms. And, and you know, this is a dramatic, this is an incredibly dramatic story. But there are a lot of dramatic stories out there. 
And you may be sitting there saying, well, my story is not that dramatic. Don't sell your story short. Like Bo's going to be working that, coming with that story class. Because the story is where the power is or there is no power. Your story is what will save other people. Your story is how God saved and is saving you. And your story has power. There there are no little stories in here. They're just stories of a powerful God who saves. Wind moves things. Water is absorbed. But fire transforms. As Paul tells Timothy, and as I was reminded of some months months ago in the prayer room, 2 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, our job is to believe that. Our job is to live into that. There's a flame that burns in you, and you need to fan that flame into life. We need to be fanning one another's flames into, into life so that we burn so that we burn. Oh, and that Holy Spirit burned. It burns in you. And you're going to make such a difference in this world in the years coming forward. Burns. Burns away all the stuff that never mattered in the first place. It it did for you It is doing it for me. There's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't matter to me at all. Fire transforms. Fire consumes things that need to be eliminated. And then what's left is what has been refined. Fire empowers. Fire sweeps everything before it. Fire emboldens. The Holy Spirit wants to fire you up. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit is like fire. He says he's fire. Fan the flame. Fire brings passion. Brings passion. I'm I'm, I'm gonna come back and read that that second Timothy passage again and begin in verse four. Talk about passion. Here's the old preacher talking to the kid. Recalling your tears. Ah, tears are great things when God's people shed tears. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which 
first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Passion. What do we got without passion? What do we got if it's all just in our heads? What do we got if it's all just intellectual? What do we got if it's just external? What if it's got, if all we've got is a structure? What have we got? We've got nothing. It's the fire. It's the fire that powers everything. Second Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. Oh, this would be a great passage to keep reminding ourselves of because I've seen this done so much. Oh, I've seen this done. And, and, and yeah, maybe I've done it myself. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what's good. Brother, I've heard your word, and it didn't come from the devil. I know where it came from. You can either fan the fire into flame, or you can quench it. It's your choice. It's my choice. But there's an old hymn. His power... Well, let's don't read it. Let's sing it. You know this one. His power can make you what you are to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Yeah, he had his way with you, Lee. Tell you one thing, it's not supposed to be boring. If you've ever been to church and you got bored, that is sad. Because the fire of God's Spirit inspires creativity. It's not much for structure, but it sure empowers creativity. Today's world needs to see fire. We need to see fire. And we need it worse than they needed it in the first century, in the 21st. We need fire. Fire consumes, Hebrews 12, 29, says our God is a consuming fire. Fire doesn't quit. And after fire comes new growth and renewal. Fire purifies. Fire, burn, fire is holy. There's a holiness throughout scripture about the fire. Because fire purifies. And maybe there's something in your life that needs to go. And you'd love for it to go, but you can't make it go. 
And what God says is, let me burn it off for you. Let my Holy Spirit burn it away. I'll take care of it. Just let me have my way with you. Are you ready to let God have his way with you this morning? Are you ready to let him take control? And we sing that. It's a wonderful hymn. Lord, take control. An old hymn. Lord, take control. Are you ready for that? That's, that's the way it works. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Are you ready to come and say, Look, let's pray so that he'll take control of me? You can come to me, come to one of our shepherds and their wives while we stand and while we sing.